Hello, I'm Jonathan Smith. I'm the lead pastor at One Church TO, and you're listening to the teaching time from our weekend gathering. We're an imperfect community of over 70 nationalities and five generations who are attempting to follow and shine Jesus in the greater Toronto area. Our vision, it's so simple. We want to help people from all walks of life know God, love people, and in turn, impact our city for good. We've designed these weekends to be meaningful, challenging, and encouraging, and I hope that's what you get from listening. Well, with all the things that we could wish are different in the nation of Canada, how many are, especially when we look around the world at many different countries, we're very thankful today to be living in a nation that is so blessed. Amen? So good to uh, be with you this Canada Day weekend. Now, we're in a summer series where we're turning to pastors on our pastoral team and we're saying, what scripture either got you through a tough time or it was really a turning point scripture in your life? I'm inviting Pastor uh, Stephanie Jones to uh, join me. And um, the scripture that, meant a lot to you was actually written to some people who were in exile in the Middle East uh, 2,700 years ago in a place 9,700 kilometers from Toronto, and yet it it meant a lot to you. Yes. Do do, do you remember it? Yeah, it, it goes like this, and some of you, most of you, well, if you've been at church for a certain length of time, you'll know it. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to cause you harm. Plans to give you hope and a future. Now, Pastor Jonathan did refer to that scripture some time ago. <laughs> he did. In a series, yes. Is the Bible a Dangerous Book? And he was trying to help us interpret it <laughs> yeah. in context, considering the first audience. Here's what he had to say. Let's, let's go to a different verse. One of the favorites. It's on everyone's fridge. It's on everyone's bumper stick. And, and I know there's somebody saying, Pastor Jonathan, don't you dare touch Jeremiah 29 11. That got me through my rough season. You just hold on to it. You just, you just hold on to it. But, but let's talk context a little bit. When it says, I know the plans I have for you, what's important to know is that's not a personal that is a plural you in the Hebrew. It's not me. It's not Jonathan Smith. I don't know the plans for you. He was talking to a community of people in exile. So then you could say, okay, Jonathan, then why does that verse even matter to me? Well, it should. All of these things, we get to see how God relates to his people. And it's beautiful. He promises them a hope, not anchored in the present circumstances, but in their future ones. So how God relates to his people. We're the people of God today. And context is so important. We need to say, Lord, what were you saying to the first audience? And then what does this have to say to me in 2023 in Toronto? So at what, like, describe where you were at when this scripture came at you and meant so much to you. 
Yeah, well, first, uh, Pastor Jonathan's not here. So <laughs> I have to say, when, I, when he went for Jeremiah 29, I was that person sitting in this auditorium. I said, don't you dare go for that verse. Because <laughs> that verse I've, I've held on to. Um, so it was about two, uh, two years ago. And I had been experiencing chronic migraines. And I had a, a straight chronic migraine for 18 days. 18 days. Um, and uh, I had been hospitalized for it because of the pain twice. And they just, they could not find any problems with my brain, with all of the tests that they were doing, which doctors were like, I mean, for the most part, that's a good sign. Um, but it wasn't helping me because there was no, there was no fix for it. And, uh, it was really, really challenging. And so what happened was actually a, a family from this church had come over. Uh, they knew that I was not well. And they had come over. And they, what they did was they gave me a pack of cue cards. And they had, as a couple, as a family, they had written scripture on these cue cards for me. And it was like a pack of like 20 of them. And they said when they were going through a really hard time in their life, what they had done is they had put those sticky notes everywhere around their house. So there was scripture around everywhere. So everywhere they looked, they could find encouraging scripture. But they didn't have a dog. They didn't have a dog, yes. And so I left those uh, probably for like five minutes and they were eaten. And uh, there was one. <laughs> That, uh, that was salvageable. It had a corner bitten off of it, but it was Jeremiah 29, 11. And I remember holding that, and I was like, first of all, I was very upset with my dog. I said, oh, you're, you're destroying scripture? And, uh, <laughs> and, but I remember holding this and reading it and rereading it. And I said, in this, in this season, I said, okay, if I really trust God, if I really trust that he is who he says he is, I have to trust this piece of scripture. I have to trust that this is a promise that he's making to me as well. That was really challenging because the first line of this scripture is, for I know the plans I have for you, declares Lawrence, plans to prosper you and not to cause you harm. Yeah. In that 18 days, that's not how it felt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Feelings, right? Yeah. You're feeling, I mean, I, I, I've experienced pain enough that I can really empathize. Yeah. And it's hard to even think straight when you're in that much pain. Yeah. Um, and, and you said you were actually able to separate feelings from truth about God. Yeah, because I wasn't feeling like that was a plan that was designed to prosper me. It didn't feel like a good plan. And that's what the scripture was saying. And I felt to my, like, I felt like, God, that is not what you're showing me right now. This doesn't feel good. This doesn't feel like a plan that's going to prosper me. But you promise these things to your people. And so I have to trust in who you are and trust that who you are is part of the scripture. Now, did you, did you have questions? Uh, like, uh, like for God? Yeah, I think, I mean, I... It was a challenging time because I think when you're in that much pain and anyone in this room who's experienced chronic pain, you'll know this, uh, your body is, it's almost like giving way around you, around, and I was in school at the point and, and life just halted. Like I, it came to a complete halt for me, which was so challenging. And I remember that that was a season that was a really dark season and I'm asking questions like, well, like, do I serve a good God? Mm -hmm. Do I serve a God that's really 
answering this piece of scripture that actually has a good plan for me? Like, has he forgotten about me? Why isn't he answering my prayers to heal me from this? And so those are the questions. And, and that's when doubt really seeps in, right? In those moments. And, and you really experience the doubt of like the goodness of God. Yeah, when you look back on it now, Pastor Steph, like, do you think that what you went through does line up with that promise in Jeremiah 29, 11? Yeah, I think the, the, night, the thing about Jeremiah 29, 11, and, and this is something that I had to learn through meditating in the scripture, is that um, it's never like a one and done promise, right? Like you're like, okay, let me get past this, let me get past this moment, and then, oh, it's just a one and done. Jeremiah 29, he saw it through, check. It's an ongoing, it's an mm. ongoing promise to his people, and so the, the thing that's, that's helpful about that is that because it is ongoing, um, there, you'll always face these times and you have to keep coming back to that promise that he has for you. So, I mean, yes, praise God, I'm not in chronic pain anymore. And there is, you know, there are some solutions around that medication and, and all of that stuff. But um, I, I had to trust that even, even beyond that, that God was going to continue to prosper, and he, he did have a plan for my life. Yeah, and you're going to be doing a video out of uh, today's gathering, and uh, people can hear a little bit more from you there. But uh, how about we just spend the rest of the teaching time then uh, taking a look at, okay, because as Pastor Jonathan taught us so rightly, we need to say, Lord, what are you saying to the first audience? And then we got this amazing promise. What's still true about that promise for us new covenant believers, Jesus has come and fulfilled and sometimes affirmed yeah. a lot of the things of the old covenant. So right. we're going to spend some time looking at that, but thanks for helping awesome. us. Awesome, thank All you. Right, let's thank Pastor Steph. So I, I found three things in Jeremiah 29, 11 that are just as true for us today as they were for people in exile in the Middle East uh, 2,700 years ago. The first one is this. God knows and cares more than anyone. <laughs> we, we get those questions when we're stuck in pain or in crisis or in a trial or in confusion. How many, you're, you're, you got something going on right now, you just can't understand what in the, God, what are you up to here? <laughs> what is going on in my life? Where are you? Uh, the, the two questions that get asked are, God, do you even know what's going on? Do you know? And secondly, do you care? The first audience had those questions answered. You know, because they're saying, God, if, if we're your people called to the promised land, we were living there for 2,000 years, and now we're forcibly exiled to a land of a, an enemy. We're in Babylon, present-day Iraq. O over here, God, do you even know what you're doing here? Do you care? And so they've got these, did you notice the first words in the, what Pastor Staff shared from Jeremiah 29 11, for I know, I don't. I know, God says, I know. And listen, whatever we're going through, how many are thankful we have a God that knows all? <laughs> he, he knows. And then, does he care? Three times, if you read the context around Pastor Steph's chosen scripture, three times, God says this. Listen to this. I carried you. 
It's a picture of a loving, caring parent carrying a child through something. He says, I carried you. All right, but, but we've got to say, okay, but what does this mean for followers of Jesus today? Do you know, I, I love where Jesus says, don't worry <laughs> about the things of this life, what you will eat and your future. Don't worry about these things. And he says this, your father knows. Your father knows. What about carrying us? What about caring enough about us to carry us through a tough time in our lives. I love what Jesus said. He says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Listen to this. Are we held in his hands today? <laughs> he says, no one will snatch them from my hand. I just love that you feel, sense the passion of Jesus for you there. No one will snatch them from my hand. God has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Uh, Holocaust survivor Corey Ten Boom wrote, she said, when a train goes through a tunnel and it gets dark, you don't throw away the ticket and jump off. You sit still and trust the engineer. You know, we have so much more reason to trust God and his plan than those people in exile did because how many know we have been able to see the faithfulness of Jesus Christ when he came to the planet? They were just looking forward to it. We, we have all the more reason to just thank God, to say, God, I know that you know, and I know that you care. So we've answered those two questions, but here's a question that we haven't answered. Why? <laughs> Why do we go through exile experiences? Why do we go through these temporary trials? Why do we go through these episodes of confusion and pain and crisis? Well, we're going to look at a couple of different reasons. One that Jeremiah answers, the other one he doesn't. We have to look to the New Testament to find the answer. All right, here's the second one. God cares so much, he'll try to keep you on track with his best. What do we mean by that? Well, you know, if you read Jeremiah 29, you say, what's the context? Why are they in exile? What's the purpose? You have to read the first 28 chapters to find out why they are in exile in the 29th chapter. Because in the first 28 chapters, you ever read through Jeremiah? When you come to 29, I know the plans I have for you. You know, this is temporary. It's going to be 70 years. I have a hope and a future. Plans to prosper, not to... It's like an oasis in the desert because he's been warning them for 28 chapters. People, don't you get it? You're being selfish. You're not even turning to God for the solutions in your life. As a matter of fact, he, he, I tried to, I read so many verses where he just warns them over and over and over again for 28 chapters. And then, and then Jeremiah says in chapter 22, it's sort of, I'm putting this one on the screen because it sort of encapsulates the warnings that we've been getting for 28 chapters. And he says, this is what the Lord says, be fair-minded and just do what is right. Quit your evil deeds. Do not mistreat foreigners, orphans, and widows. I mean, they, they were doing that, or else he wouldn't be saying, stop doing it. If you refuse to pay attention to this warning, this house will become a place of ruins. He's warned them for 29 chapters, and, and then they are carried into exile. He carried. Watch this, carried because it's actually an act of love. 
an act of love. You're not listening to my warning, so he amps it up. He really gets their attention <laughs> when he takes them off into exile. What about followers of Jesus? Does, does the Lord ever correct us? Does he ever get us into a place where we are forced to confront our self-centeredness and our lack of caring and loving and for, for other people? Does he ever call, call us on it? The New Testament answer is this. Listen to this. God only corrects you if he loves you. God only disciplines you if he loves you. How many are feeling really loved right about now? <laughs> My child... Don't make light. This is New Testament. Don't make light of the Lord's discipline. And don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he... As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. How many can... There's something I can say amen to. <laughs> it is painful. But afterward... There will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Sometimes we go through painful times because of the way we have been selfish, turn from what the Lord says. We harbor attitudes or we're involved in activities that are not healthy for us. How many are thankful that God's never... Uh, told you to not do something that you were, you, you were a lot better off if you didn't do it anyway. He only wants us to stay away from stuff that can damage us or damage other people. You know, um, and he disciplines us. Uh, parental discipline has changed over the years. I grew up in a, a home and in a time where, how, how, how can I say it, the the Board of Education was applied to my seat of learning. <laughs> and then mom or dad would say, we're only doing this because we love you. Well, I would just wish you didn't love me so much. <laughs> I, I just need to pause here and say, you know, if the only discipline you've received is from a parent has been out of anger, or out of just their own feelings, it wasn't an event, it was a reaction. If that's the only discipline that you've received, I, I'm sorry about that. That's not the kind of discipline that God does, neither is it the kind that he wants uh, parents to give to their children. So I'm sorry about that, but I, but I want you to know that you, you have a Father God who, who gives out discipline perfectly. Always out of love. You know, I, I so appreciate the times that Father God has warned me about things, saved me from getting into something that he would have had to discipline me for. I'm so thankful for his warnings. Um, you know, about how ego and pride and selfishness and greed and lust, uh, saying destructive words. I'm so thankful for the way he warns us against. But I also, I'm so thankful for his discipline that when I crossed the line and I went ahead and did what he had warned me not to do, that he loved me enough to discipline me, to get me back on track. Uh, you see, I have a choice. I, I, can, I can learn my lesson or I can stay stuck. <laughs> I, sort of like the first, the, the Israelites in the first 28 
chapters of Jeremiah where they, did, they were just stuck in that place where God, we're not going to turn to you. We're not going to change the way that we treat people in our culture. We're not going to change. And so God says, okay, I'm going to have to amp it up a bit. I love you so much, I'm going to take you into exile to get your attention, to get you to change from what's going to destroy you. I don't want you destroyed. I want you to have a a future where you're prospering. I'm not out to harm you. I want you to have a future. And so he disciplines them. We have a choice whether we're going to stay stuck or, 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 whether, or whether we're going to change. And, and how many know you and I can't start a new chapter in our lives if we just keep repeating the last one? <laughs> we can't have a new one if we're just going to do the same old. All right, I, I said that was why they were disciplined, but we look at the New Testament, and this is what we need to do with all the old covenant promises of God. We need to see, were they fulfilled in Jesus? And, or does Jesus affirm them? Or does he expand on them? And here he expands. And, and in scripture, um, you see times where, watch this, people got into a trial, not because they were doing something wrong, but because they were doing everything right. Like the disciples, when they were told, get into the boat and go to the other side of the lake, they, they, were, they ended up in a storm. I have a question for you. Were they in a storm because they were doing what was wrong or, or because they were doing what Jesus said? They were doing what Jesus said. And, uh, and, and so Jesus is sleeping. He must have been a sound sleeper. He's sleeping on a cushion and the disciples, because here's how one gospel puts it, and, and the Greek is strong here. The Greek that we translate uh, the New Testament from into English, it's so strong. A furious squall, waves were coming over the boat, and Jesus is sleeping. The disciples wake up Jesus and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and waves obey him. This was likely in the first year of them following Jesus. They had another you know, time where Jesus sent them across the lake later and Jesus walks on water and that, that, that's that whole story. But you know, They're just in such awe of Jesus. Now, what if there wasn't a storm? What if there wasn't a storm? They would never have seen the power of Jesus revealed, right? They never be able to tell this story. They never had this worship moment of, oh, Jesus, you're more powerful than we thought you were. And, and, and I can guarantee you this, the next time they got out, every time from that time on, they got into a storm. How many know they'd be, they, they relived the story? Remember that time we were in the storm and Jesus calmed the waves? Isn't that what it's like for you and me? When we go through a tough time and Jesus shows up <laughs> and he gets us through, then the next time we go through a storm, we say, hey, Jesus can get us through storms, I know, because he got us through the last one. Right, on? He's been faithful in the past. He's going to be faithful yet again. So one of, the, one of the huge advantages of following Jesus over time through tough times 
You know, uh, how did Andre Crouch sing it? If I never had a problem, I'd never know that God could solve them. I'd never know what faith in God could do. If I never had a storm, I would not see how Jesus can speak to that storm. If I never had a trial, I'd never have my faith grow because I would never get to a place where I could say, look at how Jesus gave me strength to get me through that trial. You know, how many understand we can word something we said before, if Jesus carried you to it, Jesus is going to carry you through it. Right on? He's going he's to get you through. He's got what it takes. And then the third truth that we can say, that was said to people 2,600 years ago in a place 9,700 kilometers from Toronto, and yet it's still true for us today. Here's the third one. God's plan is unstoppable, and it includes you. It includes you. See, the message for the first audience was, I know the plans I have for you. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you future and a hope. God's plan, listen to me, it was not thrown off for those old covenant people by an exile. It wasn't like, oh goodness, you're not in the land that God promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that Moses led you out of Egypt into. You're not there. How can God be at work? You're not even in a place where you thought you should be for him to ever be at work. But listen to God's instructions for people in a temporary exile. You know, you know they're, in, they're in Babylon, right? They're in enemy territory. They're, they're forced to live there. Uh, what does he say? Trash the place. <laughs> you got 70 years to do it. Trash the place of those who brought you into exile. Or since you're only there... For 70 years, just hang in there. Do as least good as possible. No. No. I mean, come on. You know where I'm going with this. There are some people say, well, heaven's my permanent residence. I'm just a passing through. <laughs> right? So let the world go to... <laughs> what are you thinking? <laughs> You're not thinking heavenly thoughts, I'll tell you that. But, but just, you know, climate change, pollution, helping people in our society. Hold on. What does Jesus say? What does Jesus say? He said to be light, to be salt. Salt's a preservative force, right, in society? You know, and, and, and so here's what God says to his people who are temporarily in Babylon. He says to them, build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. That's exactly what some of our heroes from this era did. Did you know that if I say the names uh, Esther, Mordecai, Daniel, they, they, they come from this area. Jeremiah, they, they, they lived through this. And then some of them, that's what they did. The, the Esther's example, she risked her life to speak truth to power. And the result of her speaking truth to power was a prevention of a holocaust of the Jewish people. But she says, if I perish, I perish. Daniel, 
Remember, he kept getting promoted in the Babylonian civil service because his work was that good. His bosses his, in the enemy world <laughs> saw his work. They saw him as so trustworthy they kept promoting him. And yet he didn't back down on his faith in God. You know, did you ever learn that story about Daniel and the lion's den? <laughs> Bring on the lions. I'm not backing down from my faith in God. And yet it was such a sick society. Someone said, it's no measure of health to be well adjusted to a sick society. <laughs> no, we're there to be preservatives. We're there to light up the place. That's why Jesus said to the, the, his new covenant believers, he said this. He, one time he told a story about what our lives are to be like. Heaven's in our future. It's our home. And, and, and Jesus is given his life for us so we can get there. We're, we're waiting on Jesus until he returns. We're in this temporary period of time. What does he say to do? Invest this for me until I return. We're to make a contribution. We're to invest in the world that we are in until he returns. Then he says this in Matthew. He says, let your good deeds shine out for all to see. That's what we're to be up to during this time. And you, know, you, you see people in the New Testament, that's, they were stuck in situations. Remember that woman that had been to the doctors, nothing more they could do for her hemorrhaging and she reaches out and touches Jesus? Remember John, the apostle, in his senior years, he's stuck on the island of Patmos, but he says on Sunday, the Lord's Day, he says, I was in the spirit. And he said, Jesus showed up. And he said, pick up your pen, John. I've got some people for you to write to. And he wrote the book of Revelation. See, stuck in a situation doesn't mean God's not at work doing something way beyond what we could have done during normal days. And then, of course, what's the most extreme experience in all human history that happened to someone who was exiled? Do you remember when Jesus cried out? He doesn't even say, my father, my father. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why was he, God, why did God have to turn away from his son? Because Jesus was carrying every failure I had done, every wrong, every sin that I had done. And he took it upon himself. He who knew no sin, it wasn't his sin. He had no sin. He who knew no sin became sin for us. Well, what an exile. Why did he go through that? One reason, love. Love. He had a plan for you, for your future in heaven. But a debt needed to be paid <laughs> You, if you bring all your failures and sins to heaven, how many of you are going to mess up heaven just like we've messed up planet Earth, messed up lives and relationships here? So Jesus loved us enough to say, I'm going to pay the debt for all of that. I'm going to cleanse all that away. Listen, nothing will get us through being stuck in a problem or pain or injustice or crisis or a confusion or a tragedy. Those times where you say, God, don't you know? Don't you care? Why? Nothing will get us through those times like, like looking at the cross and saying, look, Jesus, what you did for me. Whatever I'm confused by, whatever crisis I am going through, I know this. <laughs> the trump card is that if you love me enough to do that, I can trust you with all these temporary things. Right on? 
If you love me that much, I can trust you. So what do we do? What do we do? We fix our eyes on Jesus. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Consider him. How, how many, you're, you're, you're with us online, you're on a replay watch of this teaching, and you're going through it. You, maybe it's not like Pastor Steph, the health thing, the physical pain, but maybe it is. Maybe it's a crisis. Maybe it's just a confusing time. God, what are you doing? I, when, when is this going to end? And maybe it's not even something you got yourself into. It's like the disciples in the boat. It's something that, that's happened to you, even though you're just doing your level best to live for Jesus and do what he says. Uh, in the middle of the, your trial, your confusion, your pain, consider him. Consider him. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful, we hope you join us at one of our campuses if you're in the GTA for a weekend gathering. If you're listening from somewhere else in the world, we'd encourage you to join us at onechurch.to slash live. We believe everyone can be a part of what Jesus is doing both in our community and in our city. So if you'd like to connect with us at a deeper level, visit us at onechurch.to slash next steps. See you next time.